Welcome to episode two of the Fergo and the Freak podcast. Yes, podcast, not podcast, as I called it in episode one. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me is League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How is the glorious thing of Rugby League podcast today? I'm very good. I've had coffee, I've had a McDonald's breakfast, and I'm ready to go. Yeah, I too had a McDonald's breakfast and made sure it's something with meat in it, so I feel human. Excellent. Uh, and yeah, made sure I stayed up till three, so I didn't get much sleep, so I should be uh, at my perkiest best again. Fantastic. That's how you do it. You burn a candle at both ends and die of a young age. Yeah. That's uh, that's how you do it. As they say, yeah, you get plenty of sleep when you're dead. Mm-hmm. No much point wasting it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> speaking of speaking of death, we're going to be looking at a lot of uh, NRL clubs that have come and gone over the years in today's podcast, um, and then looking at uh, you know teams that could be relocated and teams that could be you know, areas that we could expand to as well in the future. So, uh, without any further ado, I'll go through the history of of what's happened so far. This is just on the uh, on the. NRL and its predecessing competition. So the game began in 1908, and initially there were eight clubs formed. We had Balmain, East, Glebe, Newtown, North Sydney, South Sydney, Western Suburbs, and St George. Talks at Newcastle initially failed, but return visits saw them join the league. So in a rather clumsy sort of decision, the league decided to act St George because they didn't want to have an odd number of teams. But after a week of competition, they then included a team from Cumberland, so... You know, poor old St George. Uh, Cumberland struggled for numbers, so much so that in their last game in 1908 against Norse, they had to borrow one of their players, and after that match, they were pretty much cut. The end of the chaotic 1909 season, Newcastle left to create their own competition, and a team from Annandale was brought in to replace them for the 1910 season. In 1919, the ailing Annandale side who had a 37-year-old Arthur Butler and had managed to get former Bowman Test player Bob Graves to return after being retired for five years um, to come in and try and help the club. But it didn't work, and by the end of 1920, they were also axed. 1920 also saw uh, an amateur team come into competition in Sydney University. They were basically cellar dwellers for their entire existence, except for the 1926 season where they made the grand final, losing to the champion Southside. In 1921, St George finally got their promotion to first grade, and it was a bit of a gentle introduction given it was a short season. Um, 1929 saw the ugly death of the Glebe team, and after a few, they had only had a few lean seasons prior to that happening, so there's still a lot of animosity about what happened there. What happened there? Why did Glebe die off? There was talk that the dynamic of the area had changed, and it wasn't so much a working class area anymore. Um, yeah. Plus, you also had Balmain and Newtown and South are all sort of in the very close, very close promoxity yeah. there. Um, and it was those clubs who ultimately saw about the demise of Glebe behind oh, yeah. the scenes because they broke up the Glebe area and split it amongst themselves. So, um, Well, that's very nice. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a bit of a conflict of interest in that regard. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't believe yeah. there was conflict of interest in rugby league administration. That's kind of shocking to me. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, what was it? six years after that, 1935, uh, they, the game expanded to its first new territory, and that was Canterbury. They did so; they didn't move far. Uh, two years later, 1937, the university side folded. 
Um, after that, we had a lot of prosperity and growth with no real loss for quite a while. So 1947, Parramatta and Manly came in. 20 years later, Penrith and Cronulla joined the competition. Yes. Go the <laughs> Mighty Panthers. I thought you were going for the Sharks there. <laughs> um, in 1982, the game made its first bold expansion moves when it brought in teams from Canberra and Illawarra. At the end of 1983, uh, this is where rugby league starts getting a bit messy from this point. Uh, so financial pressure started to take their toll with Newtown, West, Cronulla and South all in pretty bad shape financially. The game decided to cull the Magpies and relocate Newtown to Campbelltown. West rallied, raised funds and then offered to play at Campbelltown, which was enough to see them reinstated, and it left Newtown in the lurch, and they were basically cut because of that. Well, I didn't know that, hey. Mm. A lot of people just, yeah, a lot of people don't realise that there was a bit of a fight going on between between West and, Cam- uh, West and Newtown for the Campbelltown region there. Well, made, yeah, no idea. Far out. It made sense for West to have that area, so mm. I mm. think that was the reason why they got the go-ahead there, you know, basically around the corner from where they were based anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1988 saw the boldest expansion up to that time happen when they introduced three teams, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Tweed, and Newcastle. In 1995, as the Super League war was starting to build up, four teams were introduced. We had North Queensland, South Queensland, the Western Reds, and Auckland Warriors. So in the 82 seasons after the debut year, the game had introduced eight new teams, but in the 14 years, from 82 to 95, nine teams had already been brought in. The ARL secured 12 of the 20 teams for the 96 comp- from the 1996 competition for the 1997 season, where we had two competitions. Uh, we had the eight remaining sides of the Super League, 12 teams with the ARL. So Super League created the Adelaide and the Hunter teams. When the game reunited after that one woeful season we had the nrl we end up with a 20 team competition uh hunter the western reds and south queensland all folded and melbourne was born uh 1999 was ugly for traditionals of the game st george merged with illawarra adelaide and the gold coast were cold balmain and west were merged at the end of 99 so too were norse and manly and south were completely cut altogether in 24 months Five of the initial eight teams that were formed in 1908 had been killed off. Between them, they'd won a total of 52 titles. Wow. Uh, uh, it showed you pretty much how the business side of things became more important than the world side of things, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and, and it was uh, it was cutthroat. It was just like, yeah, you're out, that's it. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, so 2000 saw the debut of the new merge sides, West Tigers and the Northern Eagles. In 2002, South were readmitted in the NRL. At the end of the year, the Northern Eagles disbanded and Manly were readmitted into the comp in 2003. And in 2007, we had the Gold Coast Titans, Titans join up. And that's where we are today. That's where we are right now. Excellent. Looking at more expansion. Yeah, well, that's what we're going to do today. And it's uh, it's interesting to see that from the beginning, where obviously the game was established, um, there was a, a very long period where the game kind of just consolidated its its strength, especially because Sydney was a growing city. People need to remember that, remember that too. And just being able to get around, I mean, if you live in Sydney now, you know how difficult it is to get around now with the highways and stuff we got. I can't even imagine how difficult it was to get around in, you know, 1930. Um, 
But, yeah, there was a long time where the competition was very stable and they only expanded every, you know, few decades. Uh, and the messy part is where the game is in its modern era. It's a, You would kind of think that it would have been the other way around as the league was just getting established that it would have been messier. But, um, no, it wasn't at all. That's right. I think you had the, the whole baby boomer period there just after World War Two. Well, we had four teams come in in 20 years, and it was done carefully but methodically as well because none of those teams, with the exception of, of um, I suppose, Cronulla, have actually really been in any sort of period where they look like they might be getting cut or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, Cronulla's always had those financial issues, but on the other hand, they've always, you know, their one big anchor which has kept them here is the fact they always own their own ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting too because when you look at Penrith being brought into the competition, I mean there wasn't much in the area at all, and it was kind of a incredibly smart strategic move because you weren't ever going to. I mean Penrith's at the edge of the city and it's got a very large area, and I mean this is a club that turned into having the biggest junior base of any rugby league club in the world. It's got a. It's probably got the biggest footprint in Sydney, I would suggest, along with maybe the West Tigers now. Um, and it's weird to think that back then it was such a, a smart strategic move because that's something rugby league doesn't do very often. No, and it was... I think if we look at, look at it, you could probably say that 67 was the first genuine strategic moves because... Because of Penrith, what you said, but also Cronulla, because the southernmost team we had at that time was, I dare say, St George. Mm. Um, so you know, it's that moving to Cronulla essentially opened the door for the move further. Twenty years later, when Illawarra came in, yeah, and you start sort of creeping down the coastline, and yep. um, you know, whereas Parramatta and Manly, we already had North Sydney, so moving to Manly wasn't a huge expansion decision, and we already had Canterbury and West, so Parramatta wasn't too. You know, they, they were very safe expansion moves, those ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think 67 was when we the, the game first started thinking genuine long-term and genuine pre-planning, expecting the, the population boom to come in. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, that, that sort of thinking back then, you, you kind of think that they weren't looking that far ahead. And, I mean, even bringing in Canberra was a massive step. Uh, Illawarra was probably a bit of a step, but <clears throat> Canberra was a, was a massive one. Surprising that they did that at the time. It's interesting, though, because when they brought in Tweed, I, I wonder if that was as much about make because obviously it was they were looking at the Gold Coast market for the most part when they brought them in. But I wonder if they kept them on New South Wales side of the border for political reasons um, rather than having a, an extra Brisbane team, an extra Queensland team, it just seems weird that they put them, you know, in tweed heads. Yeah, that's... I think the reason why they initially thought Gold Coast was... It was... Gold Coast had the first um, country rugby league competition in Australia. Mm-hmm. So they saw that as a safe option to move to because rugby league was so ingrained there. Yeah. But they couldn't get... As much as they had the the base support there because probably had always been there. They didn't have the money coming into the club really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think being New South Wales based was kind of a safe move with the, the purists of the game who sported, supported the New South Wales rugby league. Yeah. Also 
I think there was still a bit of animosity in Brisbane over the Broncos because of the damage they did to the, the Brisbane Rugby League competition there as well. Yeah, and that's that's something to talk about too because the the Queens, what we call the Queensland Cup now, and it was the Brisbane competition back then, there it was very much, it, it wasn't an equal of the New South Wales Rugby League competition of the time, but it wasn't far off either. I mean, they had their own legitimate superstars. When their superstars would come into the New South Wales comp, they were just, they were stumped straight away some of the best players in the competition. And, it, you know, you could definitely find a bunch of Queensland people that would say, well, it was, it's the equal of, if not a better comp. But the, just the money was in the New South Wales competition. And that's probably why there wasn't a flat out merger of the competitions or, uh, you know, the Brisbane competition being the one that spurred on the what we now know as the NRL. It was just the money was in New South Wales. Yeah, and that was always, I think the BRL's own issue was, was the money. I think finding talent was never an issue for them. They had no. they had tons of it. Um, yeah. They set up a statewide comp as well, which was kicking on big time there. Um, mm. So, yeah, there was a fair bit of animosity towards the Broncos for quite a while there. So, I think putting the Gold Coast team in just on the other side of the border was probably designed to cushion the blow on Brisbane and help them sort of cement themselves and get a good image there because they were still they were still building at that time, even though they'd, you know, it only took them four years to win their first title. They were still cementing themselves and trying to win over their own local community, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, some of them... Some of those teams that we've lost, I mean, Glebe was an interesting one there that they basically got squeezed out, and that's maybe something we'll talk about with current teams if teams are getting squeezed out. The Sydney University, though, I mean, for them to be brought into the competition is very interesting. Um, not having a university team, I mean, they have a university team in rugby union still in the Sydney competition, which I could probably get a run in. Um <laughs> But it makes you wonder if they had kept that Sydney University team in the competition, where they would be right now and whether Sydney University would have a similar sort of setup to what you see in American sports where they'll have uh, either a gridiron or a basketball team and they'll use that as a, a way to basically make money off of them and use it as a recruitment tool. And it's interesting to think that we could have a university team in the competition right now that was uh, maybe playing at the SFS and was used to promote Sydney University and generate funding for the university as well. It kind of throws up that we could have had a, a, a different model of a club in the NRL today had they stuck around. But unfortunately, it was just, uh, you know, they had so many lean seasons. They only had really the one good season and it just obviously wasn't working at the time. But it, it's interesting to think about if they'd still been around today. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think a large part of uh, why they end up folding was it was too hard for them to attract players because yeah. even, by 1937 they were an amateur side. We still had, you know, had the war starting up. Yeah, um, players were either going to stay at home and, and earn a few dollars playing footy, or mm. they were going to go to war. University just seemed like it was. It was neither of those two options, and it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a win for anyone. They were just going to struggle, and so it was a safe option to to put them down. Um, they still exist. They still play. They're in one of the very low tiers of rugby league in Sydney at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think they're a, they might even be a feeder team for another side. I can't remember now. As you know, Glebe's also a feeder team. I think for Newtown this year. All right. Yeah. They 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 came back a few years ago. Um, it's good to see them back in those lower grades. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. The university one. It was it was a fascinating and very bold move. Um, and I kind of wish they had us kept them at a. You know, instead of dropping them completely, I wish I'd have just put them to say like reserve grade and just left them there and you know have them running around in Jim Beam Cup or something like that because yeah. as you said, bring a concept that they could have you know run off. Yeah, especially when you consider that at the moment it's difficult for rugby league to get into some of the schools basically in the North Sydney area, and here was rugby league all the way back then having a university team. I mean. There's there's places in England where they have problems still getting university teams, so it it was a forward thinking move. It just you know one of those things that I guess just didn't work out unfortunately. Yeah, and that was a good thing though about rugby league in those those early years is they weren't afraid to have a crack at stuff like that. And there was yeah, we saw it again in in the uh, 1983 period there, 1982 period, sorry, and then again in 88 and 95 where. They started looking beyond the heartland of the game, which was always Sydney. They started mm-hmm. looking further afield and like, how much further can we spread this? And it's like, let's put a team in Perth. Let's put one in Townsville. Let's put one over in Auckland. You know, it's, mm. it almost sounds crazy, but mm. you know, we know that there's a Perth team that's knocking on the door that deserves to be there. We know that North Queensland and, and Auckland survived and still around. The only team out of those four that they brought in in '95. Was the that didn't work out was the one that was right next door to the Broncos, so it showed yeah. that expansion actually does work. Yeah, it does. and and especially when you look at the, I mean, at one point when the two competitions come back together with Super Leagues, we had we had twenty two teams, and they had to cut it down, and they wanted to cut it down to twelve teams, and that was just never going to happen. Um, by the way, there's all of a sudden a big rainstorm here, if you can hear something in the background. But anyway, um, so they they cut it, They wanted to cut it back to 12 teams, but we, we had 22 teams. And, yeah, there were some bad sides, but when you look at what happened afterwards and some of the teams that you could have... I mean, the Melbourne Storm team was basically what was left over from the Western Reds, or I think they changed to the Perth Reds in that Super League season, yeah. and the Hunter Mariners, and they basically took all of the extra players from them and, and made a team out of them, and that was the Melbourne Storm. Um, you know, it's it's sad that we don't have some clubs. I mean, Illawarra was a sad loss, I think, but uh, having been to Wollongong a lot recently, it, you see that it would be difficult for the area to generate the corporate funding these days for a club. Um, you know, Canberra was obviously a big leap and one that worked and, and one that they were probably looking at the influence of country rugby league, especially at that time. Uh, but, you know, com- cl- clubs, they come and go. And it's interesting that in Sydney, we've already had seen in the past clubs being cold and basically having their areas swamped by their neighbours. And I... I have a feeling we're getting towards that point again right now in Sydney. Yeah, especially that, that inner west area there. Um, mm. I think if we want Canterbury and Parramatta to survive in that area, the West Tigers really do need to relocate fully yeah. to, yeah. to Campbelltown. Um, always should have done. Yeah, there yeah, wasn't much, 
there wasn't much existence for them in, in the Balmain area. They, you know, and there's that huge nursery out there in the western suburbs. I mean, Penrith is showing that just where they are. Yeah. You know, and that, and that of, area of Sydney d- down in the MacArthur region, um, it, it's one area of Sydney that can actually grow and grow quite a lot. Mm. And you're also going to get the growth down towards the south, towards uh, basically towards Canberra. And it's, I mean, it's a very long way to Canberra, but it, there's that capacity to grow down that in that part of Sydney where a lot of clubs, they just, their area will not grow. And I, I think of someone like Cronulla who are basically surrounded now. Um, they're surrounded down south. They're surrounded by St. George and up north, not very far at all. It's it's basically South Sydney Roosters territory. Um and you have to worry about clubs like that, just as you worry about the West Tigers in in the Balmain area of Sydney. I, you know, I know that um, Balmain Tigers fans are, are pretty loyal about the club and stuff, but if that area turned into South territory within twenty years, you wouldn't be shocked, because as you say, the the West West Tigers they really need to be. They need to say, this is our area. We're not committed to a bunch of different areas. We're not playing games between areas. This is our area that we're going to play. And, I, you know, they've got Campbelltown Stadium, and it's not much of a stadium at all. But And I don't know if they play there or if they look to build a new stadium somewhere in, in that general region. But um, you just feel like they need to establish that area as their own. Because, as you say, it's that's a Penrith-sized area that... I mean, in 20 years' time, they might have the biggest junior rugby league area in the world. Um, and whereas I think in the Balmain region, it's kind of holding on to something that probably isn't theirs anymore, really. Yeah, I am a an old Balmain fan, so I'm not talking mm. as a as a magpie side of thing on the West yeah. Tigers merging. You know, it's just, to me, it makes common sense to move out there. I yeah. think... Um, yeah, it's been twenty years. It's just it's too long for this this West Tiger side to be like a bunch of gypsies still, you know, floating around the countryside playing home games wherever they want to try and please everyone. They're just yeah, gonna, you know, just pull a pin and say, right, this is where we're going to go. We're going to move to Campbelltown. We're going to be based out there. And for all we know, if they were playing a lot more games at Campbelltown, it might be enough to get the local government or local council out there to go, okay, you're now playing games here all the time. We're going to start pumping some money into the stadium and get the thing upgraded and make it a genuine NRL stadium that people can go yeah. to and we can get, you know, decent sort crowds at and it looks good on TV and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's You're not going to get that if you're playing three games a year there. I mean, no. we're, they're never going to upgrade Leipzig Oval. The place has got white ends through some of the stands. I need to pull it all down and rebuild some of those stands. Yeah, and, and you know, the thing is, too, it's like at the moment, the West poor West Tigers fans, I mean, they're either at... Leichhardt Oval, which is just a relic. I mean, it's like it's got to be one of the worst stadiums for any professional sporting team in the world. And you've got that, and when they're playing at their alternative stadium, they're playing at Campbelltown Stadium, which is a basic bone stadium compared to most clubs. And as we move towards having a brand-new SFS and we've got uh, the new Parramatta Stadium, we're going to have a, the brand-new Olympic Stadium, which will be for rectangular sports only. It's we're, I think we're really going to see the clubs that don't have good stadiums. They're either going to have to put together a really good case to either their local council or the, the state government to upgrade 
or they're going to have to really look at moving, mainly because they're going to lose fans. I mean, I'm going to go and watch games at the Parramatta Stadium. I'm not a Parramatta fan. I'm a Panthers supporter. Uh, I think that the the viewing of the game in these brand-new, beautiful stadiums in Sydney, it's really going to change how people think about going to the football, where once upon a time, people were like, oh, yeah, I like to stand on the hill and stuff, and it's like these days you're going to have massive screens, you're going to have a comfortable seat. When it's raining, you're not going to get wet. Uh, you're going to be able to use a toilet without having to line up for the whole half of football. <laughs> you're going to be able to get decent a decent feed at these places. It's going to be a completely new experience, and it's just going to be fun to go to the footy. And I, I see teams that don't have that on offer. I think that once fans have experienced these new stadiums, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big eye opener for these clubs. And there's some clubs that I think, I think the West Tigers and Panthers in particular would not find it too difficult to get either major stadium upgrades or completely new stadiums built. Uh, but then you get someone like Manly who. I mean, I don't know if Manly looks to continue at, at Brookvale or if they look to move to Gosford or if they look to maybe get a stadium built just in the North Sydney area and instead of just being in the Manly Seagull saying, look, we, we can either barely survive being Manly or we can take over this giant chunk of Sydney where we basically have no sporting competition at all and make it our own. And that's got to come into account at some point, especially with a a privately owned club, because just surviving is not going to be enough. And just surviving is eventually going to become not surviving as other teams get stronger, as their finances get better as we expand the competition so that you've now got cities, more cities to compete with than we have right now. Eventually, some clubs are just going to go by the wayside and rugby league has a history of it. You know, you don't want to be the next Glebe. You don't want to be the next Sydney University. That's right. And Manly is, they are just in a perfect spot there. Mm. They they need a new ground there. The problem with a lot of these teams too is... um, well, a lot of their their attitudes are very cutthroat. When it comes to football grounds, mm-hmm. look at it very romantically. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, they get all glassy-eyed over, you know, Planet Brookie, you know, Fortress Brookie or, you know, Planet Leichhardt Oval. I mean, I love going to Leichhardt Oval. It's, yeah. I'm a historian. I like going to those old grounds. Mm-hmm. But you've got to face the facts. It's not it's not a good enough venue for, watch, for playing footy at or watching footy at. Yeah. Um, I'd love nothing more than have, you know, uh, 15,000 minimum seat seat stadium in there. You can still have Buddy yeah. Hill there, but still have proper stadium seating in there that people can sit in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Brookvale is just, there's no reason why that ground can't be just completely gutted and put brand new stands in there and, and properly fix it up. It's it's long overdue. Yeah. These, these grounds, we can't, we can't be moving into this century now and we're moving into, you know, getting broadcast deals worth billions of dollars. Mm. And we're playing in grounds that look like they were made for about thirty-five bucks by Joe's, Joe's Stadium building down the road. Yeah, we've got to get better at this. They've got to look better. They've got to operate better. They've got to function better. And the thing is, too, I mean, you can watch a game live at home 
in high definition now. It's the perfect sport for TV. You see everything. You really don't miss too much. And you can either do that and pay, I don't know, whatever Foxtel is, 50 bucks. You can watch the, the footy for, I guess. Or you can pay, you know, 20 bucks to get a wet patch of grass on a hill. You know, and you looked at the, the Manly game the other week, people were getting absolutely thrashed rain on. And it's like, for the vast majority of people, this is not how they want to spend their afternoon, you know. This is not what they want to do. This isn't fun. Um, I tend to be a bit of a snob like that myself. I like a seat. I Look, I grew up sitting on the hills, especially my friends were all Parramatta fans, so we'd go to Parramatta Stadium to watch games. And, you know, it was fun. But I was a teenager, and but give me a seat. Give me a seat every day. I think that once you've been to a really good stadium and you see the difference in experience, you realise that Sydney misses out a lot in that regard. Um, I remember the first time I went to Suncorp Stadium and I was just shocked at the the experience of watching football in such comfort and it just was like there wasn't a giant lineup just to get into the ground and it was a sellout it was the world cup final it was the first time i went suncorp suncorp stadium in 2008 there wasn't a lineup to get into the ground i sort of walked in and i was in the stadium and i was like did i miss something did i pass a checkpoint by accident like it was really weird i expect someone to run up and say hey you know we have to search you for 20 minutes <laughs> we don't we don't have that experience in sydney anywhere um, the Olympic Stadium is a terrible viewing experience to watch a game of football at. The Sydney Football Stadium was, it, it, I mean, it's outdated now and it was absolutely terrible to get to for 95% of people in Sydney. Parramatta Stadium was okay, but still not 100%. Um, Penrith has gotten better and better, but, you know, when it's packed there, you don't want to be going to the toilet, let me tell you. Um no. There's so many different grounds. I mean, I just can't pick a Sydney stadium that you go, oh, yeah, that's fantastic going there because there just isn't one. They've all got their problems. And I think that once we've got the new, all of the new stadiums in place in uh, the SFS, um, the Olympic Stadium, which will be, I think will be a big one, and Parramatta Stadium, once that's, that's going in a couple of weeks from now, actually, I, I think it's going to change attitudes to rugby league in Sydney in a big way. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of teams say, "Hey, we we got to do something now because we're going to lose we're going to lose a lot of people if we don't." Yeah, especially if we keep getting um, you know attacks on poker machines and stuff like that from governments and mm-hmm. clubs can't rely on that. Let's be honest, easy money coming into the club. They've mm-hmm. got to start relying more on gate takings, and you can't jack up the prices because that pushes people away. So you've got to have more seats for people to sit on. Yeah. And that's as simple as that. You get more people, more seats for people to sit on, a bit more comfort. They will come, and they'll be able yeah. to come and watch in the rain. You know, that's the problem with these suburban grounds is too much. You know, 20, nearly fifty percent of a lot of these grounds, there's no seating. It's just the hill. Yeah. And while it's great on a lovely sunny day in the middle of June, it's mm-hmm. it's it's just not enjoyable when you're sitting there in a miserable cold, howling wind and miserable rain at you know seven o'clock on a Saturday night trying to watch a game of footy. Yeah, exactly, and it's uh, you know it's it's great for people to say, oh, I love going to this old oval and stuff, and it's like, yeah, you're sitting there with five thousand other people, like there's not much of you. There, we we don't 
keep these things going for nostalgia. We've got to make the business work. And at the moment, there are too many teams that are getting 5,000 crowds, and it's because the game day experience is just not that good, unfortunately. Mostly, and we're talking about Sydney here, you go to Brisbane, they've got no problems. You go to Melbourne, they've got no problems. Um, the North Queensland Cowboys, their, their new stadium is going to be ready by next season, they reckon. Um, even the Gold Coast, I mean, the Gold Coast don't get too many fans there, but damn, their stadium is beautiful. There's so many places. I mean, Newcastle's stadium now is all, almost an all-seater stadium. Um, it, it, it needs to change, and as it does we're going to get more people through the gates because, you know, and it's not just people now and it's not just to cater for the, you know, 40, 50, 60-year-olds. It's to have the kids that can stay at home and, you know, watch it all on TV to get them out to the game and and to give them a big screen they can watch close-up replays on and make it a full experience so that instead of people saying, oh, the best way to watch rugby leagues on TV... They're saying, no, you can have that experience and go to the ground and get the atmosphere as well. Exactly. Exactly. Can't agree with more, mate. Fam- the family's one's a big one too, you know. Oh, the first thing I'm going to look at when if I've got to go to the foot of my four-year-old is I'm going to look at the weather. I'm not going to look at the ground. Yeah. And if it's going to be yeah. raining, I'm going to say, I'm not going. Yeah, exactly. And like, and you just take into account if you're taking a family to the footy, you, for a lot of places you're going to be paying a lot for parking. And then you've got to feed your kids. And a lot of these grounds have food that's just too expensive. You've got to pay for the seats. And look, the seats cost what they cost. But then if at the end of all of that, you're trying to get your kids to sit on the grass, it's like, what am I doing? I'm not doing that to my kid. It's like, we'll just stay at home, you know. I'll order pizza and we'll watch it at home. You know, that's, you know, make sure your kid's fat. That's what I say. Have fat kids order pizza. (laughs) That's all right. Also, you get them up on some Ritalin, so they just sit there and stare. Yeah, it's great. And they concentrate <laughs> for the whole game. Um, you know, well, concentrate zombies, same sort of yeah, thing. That's what we want. Maybe that's what the uh, NRL should start doing at junior league matches. Just start getting everyone on Ritalin, so that they can say, "Look, we we have a big participation numbers, but they give one hundred percent of their attention to rugby league." That'd be great. <laughs> Fully agree. So um, do you think there's teams that we could, you know, look right now at relocating? Well, the talk, I mean, in Sydney, and they're all Sydney clubs for the most part, I think the only non-Sydney club with that there's ever been a thought of movement for that club is maybe the Gold Coast. So we'll talk about them really quickly. They don't really need to move, but they have played some games in Brisbane. Um Brisbane and the Gold Coast are pretty close to each other. I think it's probably more a case of the Gold Coast trying to tap into the corporate market in Brisbane as much as anything. And that movement would probably stop once there was a second Brisbane team in place. But they're really the only non-Sydney club that you would think about any sort of movement with. Um, would you agree with that? I think, the, yeah, I think the big problem is for, for the Titans if, is if a second Brisbane team comes along, the Titans are going to struggle immensely. And so I'd be more inclined to have the Titans move north mm-hmm. into the, in towards the Brisbane market. Not in Brisbane, but maybe base them um, Logan-Ipswich region. Yeah. Um, that way they can still play games in the Gold Coast. They can yeah. probably play half their games there every year and half the games in the in that in that Brisbane region there. 
have yeah. them dipping into the two markets, and hopefully, hopefully down the track, they can become sustainable enough and have built a strong enough following that they can sort of relocate back towards the Gold Coast region. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll have also built up a bigger, you know, a bigger corporate area and bigger interest for rugby league that might warrant a second Brisbane team as well as a Gold Coast team. Try and I, I want to see teams successful. I don't want to see teams being axed anymore. I think yeah, there's too no. much of that. Yeah. So I think the, the concept needs to be looking at how can we make the Gold Coast stronger? There's no reason why they shouldn't be. Yeah. And I think that's possibly the, the idea they need to look at. Yeah, they definitely up there. I mean, they started off really being a community-based club and with all of the issues that the club eventually ran into, they really burned a lot of bridges in the community and they they're really having to work hard to get those links back with the community, I think. And, um, you know, it's a privately owned club now, I believe. So they do have the capacity if they wanted to, to go straight to Brisbane if they wanted. But I think that, as you say, there's a good base there on the Gold Coast and that stadium's really, really nice. I think it's just a case of, weirdly enough, giving them time to grow into the area. And I think having a second Brisbane team would actually help the Gold Coast because I think it would be, it would kind of solidify the NRL community there. It would give them more local derby games. And um, I I think that would help them as well. And I think the other thing the Gold Coast maybe has to do too is start to look at the general region around them as well, not just focus on the Gold Coast. They need to become a catchment area club almost like a um, like what St George does with Illawarra and what the Canberra Raiders do with the region around Canberra. They need to be a whole-of-area club, uh, and that's going to take time. I, I think that they're still working on some of the issues they had under previous management. Um, I think they'll get there, but but at the same time, I could see where if they had, say, five more lean years, and the league was absolutely crying out for that second Brisbane team and they were finding it difficult to make that happen, I could see where the Gold Coast said either they were going to do a a 50-50 split or they'd make a a full-time move to the Brisbane market and maybe sort something out to play um, Sydney Club's games at the Gold Coast Stadium. Yeah, I think too the the clubs get a a small grant from the – or a decent-sized grant from the NRL if they – do relocate into a new market. So that could be something they'd look at to pick up a few dollars. If they do it for yeah. five years or so, it may not need to be long-term, but it might actually help to build a, a stronger market in Brisbane as well as secure the Titans financially so they can move back to Gold Coast and you know kick on from there. Yeah, that's a good point. So <clears throat> that's the that's the non-Sydney clubs. Now, let's be, let's be really brutal about the Sydney clubs. <laughs> um and we're going to piss people off here. I'm going to throw my club into the mix just so n- nobody thinks that I'm being biased um, against certain clubs or anything like that. So the clubs that have been talked about for movement, let's say it's the Penrith Panthers. Let's say it's the West Tigers because their name gets brought up. Yep. Uh, the Cronulla Sharks, uh, the Manly Seagulls. I don't think you could talk about the Sydney Roosters until such time as the ownership of the club changed. Yeah, Nick will have to die before that changes. Yeah, and I like, yeah, t- quite honestly, yeah. And um, it's not something you want to talk about because he's been an, a fantastic supporter of the club. But 
And I think that they're going to have somebody take over that that club pretty quickly um, once that happens. But I think that it's it's not fair to talk about the Roosters just yet, no. even though, look, it, uh, there's a lot of reasons why I, I think you should move the Roosters, but they're not yeah. moving anytime soon, so why bother talking about it? So we, we've got four teams. Are there any other teams you can think of that you could – say maybe they're a candidate to either relocate or they're just in the relocation discussion? I think for me, um, the Dragons, but not so much in a wholesale relocation. I think if the, if the Sharks were to relocate somewhere, the Dragons can stay as is. But if the yeah. Sharks had to remain, then I think St. George would need to find a way to relocate to the Illawarra region, which is hard because... As you said before, the Illawarra region doesn't really look like it's got enough sort of support around there to run an NRL team. Yeah. But in saying that, St. George has had their own financial issues in recent years, so yeah. it's sort Although of now they're owned by they're owned by uh, the person that basically owns Win TV, which well, is that's the, true too. Yeah, so their their financial situation now is a lot better than it has been, and I think I think what we will see is the club consolidate a little bit of strength. And then they'll start to become very rude in terms of how much they spend on rugby league, where they're at in the player market and things like that. I think that you, I could make an argument for them playing more games in Wollongong for sure. And the, the gong is definitely Dragons territory now. Absolutely. Um, but the, the good thing is that St. George have gone for them. And I don't think there's maybe South is the only other team that could do this. St. George could literally play out of the SFS or they could play out of Parramatta's brand-new stadium or they could play out of the new Olympic Stadium when that's built and claim that as their own. They're one of those, and I think it goes back to their history where they used to be the match of the round. And they were, in a way, Sydney's big club. I think that they have that capacity to, to say, look, we're moving away from you know, Jubilee Oval or whatever it's called these days, and we're going to stake our claim, you know, maybe at the SFS, for instance, or or a a nice stadium in Sydney, but then also have down into Wollongong and retain their their traditional area at the same time. I think they're a strong enough club to do that, and I don't think there are too many clubs you could really say that about. Uh, So that's one of the things about St George where relocation, I I don't think they're a relocation candidate in the tr- in the sense that we're talking about moving completely out of Sydney, but um, you could see them not. I could see in ten years' time where the the Jubilee Oval isn't used for rugby league anymore. Yeah, I think uh, one of the main reasons why I think a move for St George to the Illawarra region would be. Uh, largely because they they are very good at bringing through country rugby league players. They've had quite yeah. a few players just from where I grew up in the Riverina, and so if they're based in that Illawarra region. There, they've got a bit more access to country players around that Illawarra area there, yeah. um, and they're good at bringing those guys through. You know, yeah. not many Sydney clubs are good at bringing through country rugby league players, but the Dragons always have been. So that would sort of be part of that. There, that it keeps that link with the Bush going. There helps them bring through more of that talent, which I think would help them stay strong. Um, It would also allow Cronulla to have a little bit more breathing room as far as um, they're concerned if they were not to be a team to be relocated. 
So that's kind of the thinking behind that that one. There, that, that would be the only other one I think that you could probably look at. But as I said, it wouldn't be out of you know moving them to Adelaide or anything like that. It'd just be moving them to Illawarra or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, if the if the Sharks were to go, then obviously they'd take over the Cronulla area. I doubt that would go down well. But yeah, um, it'd just be like it was for the the you know forty years that the Dragons were there before the Sharks came along. Anyway, so. Yeah, I, it's interesting because the club boundaries and being from Western Sydney, it's not really something I ever thought about because just pretty much every area out here is Panthers territory. But I, I think it would be good for the NRL to bring out a club boundary map. I think it would it, it'd just be interesting to see and I think it would maybe change the aspect of how people think about Sydney clubs. And I know why they don't do it, because they don't want to say, they don't want to box in a club. And I'll use the Dragons as another example. They don't, the Dragons could play uh, at the SFS and say where the St. George Illawarra Dragons and get people from all, all over Sydney coming and watching the Dragons game. But if they put out a map saying, well, this is Dragons territory, it it could become an a point that alienates certain sections of your supporter groups. And I think, but I also think that it would show some of the issues that we have of overcrowding of clubs in Sydney and where the problems are. Um, and, and it's mostly it's it's mostly west of uh, it's mostly sorry east of the Parramatta region. I mean, yeah. Parramatta's got a pretty established base. I think that um, you know Campbelltown and the West Tigers area, if they get went down there full time, that's really established. That's fine. Panthers area is pretty established, but once you start going towards the east, it starts to become shocking that some clubs have such a small area that they draw players from, that they draw their supporter base from, and and I think that that would be a bit of an eye opener for a lot of people. Yeah, I think we're we're really looking at at the roosters and the rabbitos there too. They're 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 hemlocked on one side by the ocean. Yeah. And then by each other in the middle. Yeah. And then they've got clubs all around. I mean, the Roosters more so because they've also got the heads there. So they've only, they can only move in one direction. That's towards another team. Yeah. So they're pretty much gridlocked. They've got the same issue um, expansion-wise of their areas, the Sharks do, where they're trapped either by geography or by another team. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, money's the one thing that keeps those two teams where they are and a bit of a misty-eyed, you know, look at the history and stuff, given they're the last two, uh, you know, foundation clubs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it, it also, I mean, Roosters' territory, it's it's very small. Rabbitohs have really tried to move across Sydney, and I think they genuinely do have a lot of fans across Sydney, even though sometimes them fans don't turn out to their games. But, you know, the, I mean, part of me wonders whether the Roosters should just... And I remember John Singleton saying this a number of years ago. He said, look, they should get rid of the Roosters logo. That's ne- never going to happen, I don't think. Um, he, and he said they should call themselves the Bondi Rugby League Club and embrace that they're a very small club for a very small area, but that's what they are. And they spend a lot of money to make sure they compete in the big leagues. And I actually like that idea. 
I think that if they renamed themselves the Bondi Rugby League Club, it would be fantastic. Or even the Bondi Roosters. And just embrace what they are. Um, I, I think that that would, that would help them in a, a lot of ways. And, I mean, you'd get all of their bloody hipsters starting to wear their jerseys all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> so, but I think that, yeah, and look, South Sydney, They the only reason they're called South Sydney still is because of tradition, because they're not South Sydney at all anymore. It's like bloody central Sydney. Um, so, but they, they, I think South Sydney definitely throws a, a bigger net across Sydney, a little bit like the Dragons do, mm. in that I think that South could play a, a home game in Penrith and they'd still get a pretty bloody good South Sydney crowd turn up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, well, I suppose we're looking at the, the other four teams and as I've already touched on, I think the West Tigers need to be based out in the in the MacArthur region. Yeah. I'm, I don't think... I don't think there's any merit in the discussion about Penrith relocating. I think they're, they're, that, yeah. that club is, is strong and they are set and they've built a very good very good youth market out there for you know juniors coming through and stuff like that. Um, it's See, really I, a model I, that other clubs should, should be looking at, to be honest. Yeah, and look, I, I only chuck them in because I don't want to be accused of not looking at my club. Uh, no, they, they have had hard times where they've just been poorly run. I mean, it's like... You know they have they have a massive junior base which produces talent for everyone. I mean, every single club in the competition would have a a Panthers junior. The representative teams are full of Panthers juniors. Um, it, it just you know that I mean they're even trying to trying to build upon their businesses in terms of not just being the massive leagues club. It's funny, when I was a kid, I thought every leagues club was as big as Panthers. <laughs> I thought, I because thought used, we used to go there for like Sunday lunches and stuff, and I seriously thought every single leagues club was as big as Panthers. And when I started to visit other clubs, and I'd be like, why is this club so small? It's like, no, it's just Panthers is massive. I've got a little story. Given that I come from such a tiny little rural community, the first... Yeah. The first major club I went to when I first moved to moved out was yeah. Panthers. And I've gone, man, this place is as big as this township I just came from. <laughs> it's massive. And it's weird. It's always been huge. And yeah. like I've, I really was. I was like a little kid and we'd go there and they'd have these buffet lunches. And uh, you'd sit there and you'd overlook. They, they used to have like a couple of temporary lakes, I think they were at the back. This was even before they had the the water ski park, which is like, what the fuck am I talking about? You know, <laughs> you know just the water ski park. And it was, it was just, I thought every club was like that. I really did. And then when I realised that every club wasn't like that, it kind of dawned on me. It, I mean, it's kind of like this weird miracle that they gave this team to Penrith in 1967 and they ended up with this gigantic club and they've got all of these junior players and i mean if they had a if they had an upgraded stadium or a newer stadium i don't think you, you would even think about penrith but i just wanted to throw them in there because i know that the first thing people say is what about your club when they're poorly run they're very poorly run um and i think that that just the natural resources probably stop them from folding at points. But the natural resources, you just have to get someone semi-competent in there. And yeah. it's, I mean, they should be a top four side every year, quite 
quite honestly. And look, even when they're poorly run, that club's still making a shed load of cash. Yeah. And that's that's what counts these days. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, that junior base as well. It you, you can make a really good case that you would have to save the Newcastle Knights just because of the region that they cover and mm. the, the junior base they have and, and the support that they have. Penrith doesn't have the same amount of support as the Knights in terms of crowd numbers. Yeah, not many but, clubs do. No, but I think that if if Penrith folded tomorrow, the club itself, I think the NRL would be able to make a, a really, really good case that, look, we have to do an Auckland Warriors slash New Zealand Warriors with this club. We need a team there just for the thousands of local juniors. We can't lose that area. No, they never will. Um, yeah, I'm, the West Tigers, It's. I think for me... It's it's the potential that area has if yeah. the club if the club fully committed to going right we're just going to base ourselves out here yeah um, this this whole this whole palaver about trying to please both sides of the whole merger they've got to stop thinking about West Magpies and Bowman Tigers and start going you know what this is a new club it's been around for twenty years it's won mm-hmm. its own premiership yeah we've now got a bunch of teenagers and twenty year old kids following this club who have never seen. The Bowman Tigers or the Magpies play a game exactly. of football live. Yeah. We've got to grow up. Get yeah. somewhere. Move there. And the only place that makes sense is to move out to Campbelltown, get yourself stepped there, do what Penrith's done. It's not hard. Yeah. Penrith did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the, the people are there. Just get, the, get your shit together and sort it out. It, it frustrates me so much because you still hear people from both sides going, oh, I can't wait for you know, the Bowman side to piss off so we can go back to being the Magpies or the Magpies side to piss off so we can go back to being the Tigers again. No, neither's going to happen. I'd love yeah. Bowman and West to both be back. It's never going to happen. So let's just move forward. And if they keep this crap going any longer and they don't commit to the Campbelltown region, they will be in trouble and they may yeah. have to relocate. And thankfully you've got West Ashfield are being the sensible partner out of the two, as much as they're mm. aligned with West. They have always been committed to the West Tigers, and we're seeing that they're they're showing an interest in trying to get a hold of the Balmain Leagues Club, clearing that Balmain debt, and getting a Balmain Leagues Club. They're working to get a Balmain Leagues Club rebuilt on that same site where the old one is. You know, that's the sort of commitment that needs to be happened. Why can't we get West Ashfield running the West Tigers and say, right, we're going to base them somewhere, and we're going to base them out of camp and just go from there and just get it set. Sure, there's going to be people who are going to get the shits over it, but you know what? So what? That decision has to be made if the club's going to survive and grow and thrive into the future. Otherwise, yeah, 100%. that relocation is a huge threat. Yeah, and look, I and almost look, I, could, I can't imagine that the NRL, NRL, if the West Tigers folded tomorrow in the same scenario as Penrith, I think it would be a, a little bit of a harder decision for the NRL to say we need a team there. I think what you'd probably find would be an existing club would look to take her. And yeah. I think it would be the Bulldogs, not so much moving that direction, but I think they'd, they'd try and take that area. Um, and Penrith would take some of it as well. Yeah, I think the Bulldogs and Penrith would pretty much just, just share in, in that area. Yeah, yeah. Penrith would probably take over more of it because they're, they're good at covering that sort of massive land space. Yeah. And they know how to manage that a lot better than the Bulldogs do. 
Yeah, and it's funny because <laughs> it, it wasn't a few weeks ago the I think it was the Panthers' current CEO was saying that we probably have enough talent in the Penrith district to run two clubs. And I'm pretty sure it was he was talking about expansion at the time anyway. Um, and, I mean, I can't even imagine what a, a junior base for the Panthers would be like with that big of a catchment area. I mean, funnily enough, they might actually start looking at playing games at Parramatta, start muscling in on Parramatta territory, you know, call themselves the Western Panthers or something. Um, but it needs to it needs to be the West Tigers in that area. And they need to commit and they need to build they, – they need to have their base there. They need everything there. They can't do this split thing anymore because, as you say, it's been 20 years. It's 20 years of a new club and, you know, they just need to move on from that. Yeah, fully agree. Um, let's be oh, Cronulla we were going to talk about as well because actually I had something to stem off from your Penrith one, but I'm going to save that for the next part because it'll link in really well. So we'll go to Cronulla and talk about their – Relocation risk, I guess. What are you? What are your yep. thoughts there? Well, look, Cronulla and Cronulla fans don't like me, and that's fine. Um, Cronulla is one of these clubs that are squeezed. On one side, you've got the ocean; the other side, you've got St George. Which, if it were a lot of other clubs, I'd say, yeah, don't worry about them. But it's bloody St George, you know. It's St George Illawarra Dragons. It's a. It's going to be hard to overcome that supporter base. I don't know what they look towards for their future. I know they own their stadium. I, I was reading the other week that with this new development that they've got in place, they've actually done a deal where instead of getting payments out of this new development ongoing, they basically get a lump sum and that Ooh. will be it. Now, it'll be a big lump sum. I, I believe the figure I saw was $40 million. Yeah. But if I was running the club, I would I would have gone for the you know, continual cash out of that development because Agreed. that's an income stream, you know. Mm. I When I saw that they were going for the lump sum, that really, really scared me for the club because whoever they got that lump sum off is going to be looking at it from a completely business point of view and they're, I mean, they're not going to be able to go back for some more money once no, that, that deal's done. That's exactly it. And given the Sharks bad run with with finances um any any genuine revenue stream that they can have they should be hanging on to and yeah lump sums are just they're just bad because you know you have one bad decision you blow a lot of that money that's it you're done yeah um especially when you own because they own their own stadium which means anything that happens to the stadium they've really got to think about like that's our money you know yeah (laughs) we've got to do that They've got to shell out for upgrades. They've got to shell out for maintenance on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That comes out of their pockets. And that's a large reason why they've had those financial problems over the years too, is, you know, upgrading the stadiums and putting in extra seating and stuff like that. You know, that stuff costs money and it comes out of the club pockets. So while they make more money, I dare say, than a lot of clubs do for home games because they don't have to worry about paying rent, they've got all the maintenance costs, all the lighting costs, all the, mm. you know, rates costs and God knows everything else that comes with it. So, you know, it, it can't be seen as being the huge benefit that a lot of people refer to as, you know, yeah. when they say they're in their own ground. Um, you've got to have the people 
pouring through the gates every week to make that a genuine viable asset. If you get yeah. crowds of nine, ten thousand, you know, more weeks than not, it's it's neither here nor there as far as a, an asset goes. Yeah, and the thing that worries me too is that it's not like they haven't been successful over the mm. last say ten years. It's you couldn't really ask for too much more on field on field success for the club, and it's not like you're looking at their crowds and you're seeing them packing the stadium every week or even just having bigger than average crowds. Um, if the crowds were, were bigger, you would say, oh, look, they're, they're doing all right. They're, there is a base there that they're servicing and it's a sizable base, but I don't know that that's the case with the club. And, you know, they've got a, a, a long, long history of struggling with finances going back to almost basically day one um they've had their off-field issues but i think that every club has had it has its off-field issues that's yeah. sort of a, a cyclical thing you can't blame that for anything but i i just worry when you see a club have a really really good time of it on the field but off the field it this just surviving i always think that's a really bad sign and so between that between the fact that they're in a very small area to draw upon that they've basically taken this lump sum of money rather than money ongoing from this development, which is supposed to be the golden bullet for the club's survival. Um, and, and they're just not where you want them to be, even with all the positives that you can look towards for the club. I worry about their long-term future. Um, I think that they've obviously got a really strong brand and, and, name in the word sharks i mean sharks is a really easy logo to to sort of sell especially to kids uh i wonder if you could and look i don't want any club to relocate in an ideal world no clubs relocating but if you had to relocate the sharks i wonder if you could play the shark if you could move them to say brisbane right and play their home games in brisbane but then any sydney away games they play play a lot of them at Shark Park. So you're still servicing that Cronulla region with games. It would take a little bit of work between all of the Sydney-based clubs, but I think that a relocation plan like that might be able to work for the Sharks better than most other clubs. Um, but then you've got to wonder whether a market such as Brisbane would want to adopt a Sydney club like that and I think Brisbane in particular would be a little hesitant to do it, whereas you might get at, say, Adelaide. I don't think Adelaide would care who went there. They'd just be happy to have an NRL club, especially, I mean, Adelaide Sharks is, you know, that's where Great White Sharks are around that region of Australia. Mm. Um, Perth, I think it'd be similar in that they, and I think the, the Perth Rugby League have said that, look, they will take any rugby league. And if a club is to relocate, they would rather their own club, but they'll take anything. Um, but I think Brisbane would be a little bit different. But I, I wonder if a, a plan like that could be put in place where the Sharks, if they had to move to ensure their survival in the competition, whether you could move them to a different city and have them completely based in that city but play their away games in Sydney at Shark Park. Yeah, I, I mean, if you could work that out, I think the Sharks would probably seriously look at it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if teams would be wanting to play their home games at, at Sharp Park against Cronulla, though. <laughs> yeah, it'd be it'd be a it'd be a work 
a workaround mm. that the the NRL would really have to do something with, and I don't know if it would be guaranteed money or, or something like that. It would be given up a bit of a an advantage in terms of, I mean, it would be Sharks home game basically, but uh, I think financially the NRL could probably make incentives for clubs. But then you start looking at how financially viable is that overall. I mean, if you if overall the club is losing money because they've got to put that in place, then a, a, a relocation isn't worth it either. That's uh, right. But but I think if it's and I thought about this during Super League and when they were talking about culling teams in Penrith were because they were so poorly run, they were on the edge of that cull a lot of times. You know, would you support that club if it moved? And it's a hard question, and it's one that I don't think you can answer until your club has been moved. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know how it would work. I, I, I think we've seen a few other examples in other sports, but it tends to be a case of the t- the team that moves. They end up the best way to do it is to move and basically say we're here. This is our new place and. It was nice having that old history, but we're here now and this is our new home and, and yeah. sort of leaving everything behind, I think. Unless you do that, you're kind of trying to keep your... It's a bit like the West Tigers scenario where you've got a foot in both camps and it doesn't really work. That's right. It's, it's okay, I think, if you want to do the whole foot in both camps thing for one or two years to help with that transition process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the end goal has to be after X number of years, be it five, ten, whatever it is. Well, yeah. Not ten, but, you know, five years maybe. Yeah, we're going to fully relocate and be located over in this venue here, and yeah, it's. I, I think it's it's a decision that a lot of clubs would look at if they had to relocate. They look at it very um, half-heartedly. They wouldn't be keen on it. Yeah, and I think that would be part of the problem. The community would be just as disinterested in the whole idea, which is why, you know, for me also, relocation doesn't really make sense. I just think that, you know, unlike. Teams and players, and players come from everywhere now. They're not they're not under residential rules where they live in the community that they, yeah. you know, where they represent. Yep. Whereas the fans generally do. You know, the, most of the Sharks fans are going to be living in the Cronulla Sutherland region. Mm-hmm. So if you relocate and put that team somewhere else, all of a sudden all your fans can't get to the game, and you're hoping that the team that the you know, the area they move to will go to that game more so than what the team than the area that just they just left. Yeah. It's a hard one because then you've got all those fans that are sitting there in Cronulla who would be going to a football game that are no longer going and probably lost to the game. So you need to make sure that where you relocate to, you're going to end up picking up at least the same number of fans as what you just lost. Otherwise, yeah, well, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a net gain of zero, really. And I mean, if you that's why I would look to somewhere like a Brisbane because I think you could move a club there and even if you just got the people that didn't want to go to Broncos games, you're probably going to get close to 20,000 at Suncorp yeah. Stadium. And you're also the, – the sponsorship is going to be just wildly better because it's you're going to be one of two teams in Brisbane. So that's going to be huge. And the TV audience that you're going to have is going to be much bigger and, and – uh, you're going to be on on main free to air TV on a much more regular basis because you're one of the Brisbane clubs. But so th- that's why I use Brisbane as, as the, the first example because I think that most clubs could go there and and probably from Sydney and probably be in a bit of a better situation. But uh, it, it really is still a gamble, and I, I think what you would be more likely to see happen 
is instead of a relocation, because of the way the NRL licenses are, I wouldn't be shocked if at some point, if we see a club get to a point where they have to, they're in really deep financial trouble, instead of it being a relocation, I think you'll see a license move and that's how they'll tart it up. And that they'll say the the club folded, we have the license, we've we've moved that license to this new area. Um and that might allow a new entity to be to be made. Uh but I think that the the club movement would be in the future, I don't think it'd be a club movement. I think it'd just be a license exchange, quite honestly. Yes. And uh speaking of new clubs and, and license exchanges, I guess we can move on to our ideas for expansion. Oh, I want to. I want to talk about Manly first. I want to talk about Manly. Oh, first. Manly! We forgot Manly. Yeah, yeah so no, did everyone. No, else. No, no surprises there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, they're still in competition. Oh, sorry, um, Manly. We thought you you died with the Northern Eagles. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for the Bears, hey Manly fans. Without the Bears, you'd be dead. Um, <laughs> well, sorry. I'll I'll go quickly. I've always yeah. had this idea that Manly should probably re- think about moving up to the Central Coast somewhere just to get to that better stadium um, and start looking after that Central Coast region there. I know the Bears have been wanting to come back and look at the, the Central Coast, but in my view, I don't know there's enough support in north of Sydney and up yeah. the Central Coast for two teams. And I think Manly should cover that whole Central Coast down to, down to the Manly Warringah area. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. See, if I owned the Manly Seagulls, and I I don't, but if I owned them, I would be looking to make the Manly Seagulls a north northern Sydney club. Um, I wouldn't just be. I, I I think you could keep the Manly name. Um, I you definitely keep the Seagulls name. It's another really good name. But I would look to be spreading their wings to not just be manly anymore. I'd be looking to take that whole of North Sydney region because it's there to be taken. I think we do do need a club up there. And I don't think Brookvale Oval is fit for first-grade football anymore. I don't know if you look to get the council, because it's council ground, I don't know if you look to get the council to make a new stadium or if you start looking around for a new place to build a ground that is maybe easier to get to for a wider portion of that northern Sydney region, um, you know, it's it's difficult because of the mindset of the Manly Club for many, many years. It would be a very big change to have the club move from Manly itself. It's a really difficult area to get around in terms of traffic. Um, and I think that, that that hurts them in getting crowds because, I mean, the, the traffic up that part of Sydney can be an absolute nightmare. Yeah. So I wonder if they can find an area where maybe it would be better to have a new stadium, make it the northern side of Sydney Stadium, maybe work with the A-League and say, look, if you want a soccer team, we'll work with you. We'll get a new stadium built somewhere in this region that's easy to get to. We're going to become a Northern Sydney club. I don't care if they're still called Manly, um, but I think they need to either take over that region or they've got some really tough times ahead because they've got a private owner now who is keeping the club alive, but he's been pretty upfront about the fact that he's not just going to tip 
money into a burning pile, you know? Yeah. He, he wants the club to start sustaining itself and it's proving at the moment that it can't. And they're another club that have been through some pretty good times recently and still find themselves where they are right now. And that, as I said, that's a real worry for me when you go through some good times and even when you just come out the other end of it and straight away you're on struggle street, like not just in terms of your on-field performance, but your finances. And I mean, Manly are in such a dire position right now. And it really worries me, the future of the club. I don't think moving to Gosford is the answer. I think that Gosford the whole time has been... Um, it's, it's, it hasn't been the golden bullet that people have wanted it to be. I think at the time it was all based around a really nice stadium, which I think is still a nice stadium, but it's undersized for what I think an NRL team would ideally want. And the region is... it's Once again, it's a difficult region to get around. And it's kind of spread between a lot of little areas that aren't really connected to each other. And so I don't think that Gosford is a good place for any club to be full-time. And I think that, you know, the Central Coast Mariners Soccer Club is a really good example. And I know it's a different sport, but if they're not winning the competition, they're on the verge of, like, being out of the competition. And that's a real worry for them. And I would hate to see a club make that move and they just it be a bad move because there'd be no going back from from that move. I think if you moved to Gosford and it didn't work, you'd probably be done. And I don't want to see the Manly Seagulls out of the competition. I would much rather see them take over that whole northern Sydney region, have a better stadium, make it easier to get to, and still be the Manly Seagulls. I think that there's no problems with that, but I think they need to spread their wings a little bit because it's not working where they are at right now. I think they may still have a bit of um, animosity towards them from North Sydney over what happened with the Northern Eagles. and Yeah. And that's something that they, instead of running away from it or hiding from it, they probably should just try and address it and try and solve it. And I don't know yeah. how, but yeah. they, need a good, they need a good PR man over there because, you know, that whole region came from Norse and Manly hating one another when they both existed. So... Yeah, this is about 70 years' worth of animosity to clear up there. Yeah, um, and the thing is, too, I mean, you got, you got the North Sydney Bears who, I mean, they keep trying to pretend they should be still in the NRL, and it's just ridiculous every time you see a story about North Sydney coming into the NRL again. Um, oh, look, I don't know if it's possible for Manly to take over the whole area. I don't... I, I think it... Um, and I don't know about this, but I'm guessing it would almost be the biggest nightmare in the world to politically have the two areas combined to be one rugby league area that had one rugby league team and it was all just one junior base. Um, but, it, yeah, I, I think it needs it's something that needs to happen for the good of the greater game. And I, I think it would be fantastic for the, for the Seagulls I think it would be fantastic for rugby league in that region, which is a little bit different from rugby league in the rest of Sydney. Uh, I just, it's weird because the animosity that you talk about, I think stops a lot of that stuff. And you've got the North Sydney people and look, the pe- have you ever talked to somebody that, you know, misses the bears that's under the age of 60? Like, 
They're all <laughs> fucking old, you know? Uh, so a lot of the kids in that area won't even remember the North Sydney Bears. And that's what we've got to look towards. We've got to look towards that area for rugby league in, you know, 20 years from now and where we want the Seagulls to be in 20 years from now. And, you know, that's one of the few areas in Sydney you could say that you could take it and make it something pretty special. And I think that Manly have that ability, but there's still too many people at that club that it's like, oh, it's bloody Manly and, you know, we're not North Sydney and we're the Insular Peninsula and all that crap. Yeah. It's like, no, nah, how about we start being a business? How about we start looking at getting more customers through the gates? Exactly right. Uh, yeah. That's all I've got on I, that. I, I can't what? think of anyone else I'd, no. I, that needs moved, you know? I, I, I literally have nothing more to add to that. I think you've pretty much nailed all that very, very well. Um, That's what she it, said. <laughs> not to me. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, Manly's always been a tricky one because of that past and and the area they are. But I think we've we've covered that one pretty well with all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah so we'll look at expansion teams now. Now, yeah. I, what I was getting to before, you're talking about how you had someone there at Penrith talking about how they had enough juniors to um, have a have a second team. They believe out there. Yeah. And I think there's given the way Penrith has done a fair bit of work out towards the Bathurst region, there's no reason why we shouldn't be looking towards possibly. Mm-hmm. having a team based in Bathurst, and they could probably be linked with Panthers and using utilising their junior area. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an NRL team, but it could be involved in the second division down New South Wales Cup. Yeah. Um, and it could be used as a gateway to probably get a NRL team in the future in country New South Wales somewhere. I'm not fussed where, but yeah. Penrith are doing all the right things, moving games out there, and they do have a massive catchment it would be remiss of the game to have all of those, all of that catchment, all of those players fighting over, you know, a 30 man squad list in the Panthers team every year. Yeah. You know, we should be trying to utilize more of those players and try and keep them within the, the Penrith unit if we can, especially if a lot of them are coming from the bush, which is going to happen given they're spending more time out there. Um, so, and after the city country thing got scrapped, which I was very opposed to, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm obviously from the Bush show. I'm passionate about rugby league out there in the country. The problem they've got out there is ever since the Super League war, um, all the clubs and the game itself has been focusing squarely and solely on the NRL and yeah. making sure that that survives and that, that moves forward and probably also doesn't want to go through that, that crap again. And in doing all of that, it's also sort of... Um, ignored or forgotten about a lot of grassroots footy outside of Sydney. And I think this could be a move that would really rectify that in a hurry. Obviously, you've got population numbers and stadium and whatnot to, to look at, which would be a bit of an issue. But, you know, we've got a current government at the moment that likes throwing stadiums around. You just chuck one out there. Yeah, I've got a stadium actually being built in my backyard. Um, thanks to Gladys, it's great. But, yeah, I look, I don't know that... The problem I see with having a team based in the bush, and let's just talk about NRL teams at the moment, because yep. I, I think it is good that the Panthers have, have looked to make that the link up with the country area. And I, I'd like to see more teams do it. I think Parramatta should be doing it more, definitely. Um, I think there's a capacity for the West Tigers and St. George to go down south and do that sort of thing. Um, 
and obviously you get a team like the Canberra Raiders who uh, they they could probably do more, but I understand that they've still got issues of their own that they're working through. Um, they kind of think that their catchment area right now is Northern England for some fucking weird reason. But just there's... north of Queenbean. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like Canberra's Queensland idea. It's like, yeah, everywhere is bloody Canberra. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't know that you could have an NRL team based in the bush just for the fact that I don't think that the corporate side of it would work. Um, and I think that because of that, that you're not going to get a business case for it. I can see the Panthers going and, I mean, the Panthers get paid some money from the New South Wales government to go and play out there. And I, I don't, it's like Visit New South Wales or something pays for it, which all that shit is just fucking ridiculous if you ask me. But I don't know that you'd be able to make a really good case for an NRL team to be because you couldn't have it moving around, and we've seen that before. The moving around thing no. just doesn't work. That's and, right. And I, I can't see a better place to have a team than Bathurst. Like, there's nowhere that really jumps out at me in country New South Wales where you'd say, oh, yeah, that, that would be a good idea. Um, and maybe down the track where you've expanded to a point where you're now in a position that you're in really rude health as a competition and you're like, look, we're going to completely subsidise this team. But then I also think you're going to probably have problems attracting players who they're all going to want to live in cities and they're going to want to live in nice places. And I'm not saying that the country's not a nice place, but when most of the people in Australia live in cities already, they're going to want to live in cities going forward for the most part. And that's why Canberra have had problems getting people down to Canberra because, you know, it is a city, but it's a little bit different. It's a smaller place. It's, you know, in the middle of nowhere. It takes a while to get anywhere. Like it's a three-hour drive to Sydney. Um, and that's going to be a problem attracting players or even keeping players, I think. So I think the way to service the country areas is to... I think you're better off saying, like, all right, Penrith, you've got this region out to, to Bathurst. You might say, Parramatta, you've got, you know, a region around Orange or something like that. And, you know, Newcastle, we'd even like you to poor bastards and it's the only place over – it's the worst place I've ever been. You go to Tamworth and play a game in Tamworth. Oh, <laughs> Tamworth was horrible. God damn it. Yeah, I can't I'm even – I can't even Tamworth. go into it. Oh, what did you think of Tamworth? Yeah, so next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Eh? That's pretty, pretty much, much sums up Tamworth. I'll tell sorry, you about Tamworth. Sorry, was, Tamworth. Tamworth was so bad that I was driving out of there at 7 a.m. Like, I got up early and left at 7 a.m. You actually oh. got motivated to get out of bed early to leave the place. Oh, it's terrible. Anyway. Yeah, so Newcastle can play in Tamworth. <laughs> but, yeah, just have different clubs. Just take one game a season to these regional areas. And I think if you did that, you would probably you probably service those areas enough, especially if those clubs actually linked with those areas and, and gave the, the footballers in that area an outlet to play first grade if they're good enough, but also put money back into the junior leagues in those areas. Yeah. I think there's um, – obviously the reason I brought up Bathurst was because 
I think something needs to be done in country New South Wales. And yep. I think having a team based in the just in one country centre doesn't need to be covering all of them. I think just yep. one team based there yep. would actually have a huge kick-on effect for the whole state of in country rugby league. Um, something has to happen. It has to be drastic. And I don't, I don't know what it is. So that's why I thought I'd throw up a, a country New South Wales team based in Bathurst. Um, what, what's one that you've got that's a bit left field? Well, I mean, when it comes to expansion, my thoughts are that you've got prior, priorities in the game that need to be addressed in terms of, um, because you obviously want more broadcasting revenue, you want to be in the right time zones for that. I, we we need a second Brisbane team because that's going to bring in more money than it costs through the NRL grant in terms of the broadcasters in Brisbane and Queensland. They want to be able to show relevant content in that region. They want to have two games that they could show in Brisbane. You want to have a game every week in Brisbane itself. It's a bit silly that the second biggest rugby league city in the whole world um, in terms of, you know, how many fans you've got. Only has one game every fortnight there on, on you know, a best-case scenario basis. So I think you need a Brisbane team. And you've the way that it needs to be set up, it needs to be a genuine contender with the Broncos. It can't be the, you know, the ugly stepsister. Um, it can't be another crushes. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be just Brisbane. It might be... And we've talked about this before, maybe a North Brisbane side or you look towards, I think it's South West Brisbane that's growing region. Um, but they definitely need a second Brisbane team. And I think that they can comfortably play out of Suncorp Stadium um, for the medium term anyway and not have any problems with losing supporters. I think it's pretty pretty good to get to Brisbane Stadium. Um, the second place I think we need a team is Perth. They're producing NRL talent right now. We've got, I mean, we've had NRL players that have literally been born and raised and played rugby league in Perth and then had to move over here to play rugby league at a higher level. Um, they've got a, an all right stadium to use. If you're using the main stadium over there that they've just built, you know, you've got a brand new stadium to use. I think that you, we definitely want to have a rectangular stadium, though, for any anywhere we play the game. Um, I think playing on these ovals just isn't good enough anymore. Um, and after that, then, I think, you know, you start looking at a second New Zealand team. They've got an indoor stadium uh, there in Dunedin, Dunedin, I believe it is, that I would look to take advantage of. I don't know if it would be your first place to put a team, but I, I want to have a game day experience that is good for rugby league. And I think that, you know, the, the games that are always played there, they get, get good attendances in terms of rugby league games that have been taken there. And I think you want to build a community, and I think you could do that at that stadium. Whereas if you put a team in Wellington playing at the Cape Tin you know, it's probably financially the better move, uh, especially for the corporate side of things. But I don't think it's the viewing experience you want to give for a rugby league game. Um, I think that New Zealand could support a second team if you had to put it together this weekend and they wouldn't be too much worse than the Warriors, especially when you consider the players that the NRL has playing over in Super League and in the lower mm. grades and they're just the 
raw talent that comes out of New Zealand. I also think that a second team, you could probably brand it as being a, a Pacific team. And we've seen that before. There was a team they were going to call them the Orcas. I think they were going to call them Pacifica or something weird like that. And they were looking at having a second team and it really didn't get any steam going. Um, but I think down the track, you want to have at least three teams in New Zealand. Uh, another area I would look towards would be PNG, where you would basically admit the Hunters into the NRL. But then you have to look at, you know, do they have the infrastructure to play games at an NRL level in Port Moresby? And I believe they probably do. Um, I don't know that you could have the team based in Port Moresby, though. I think that you would struggle to attract talent to it. I think you could maybe uh, base the game in Cairns or somewhere like that and then play the home games in Port Moresby. And, and obviously some games in Cairns would be pretty good, um, even if they were just the away games for Sydney clubs that wanted to, you know, get, get you know, they might be getting small clubs yet at home and they can play a game in Cairns instead. Um, and then from there, I mean, I, I've said before, I don't think the Central Coast is a good place to expand to. I, I think that it's, you know, you've got Manly just to the south, which is struggling financially, and Newcastle to the north, which you're never going to crack that market. So I, I just think the Central Coast is a no-go zone for rugby league, uh, for a club to re be born or relocate or anything there. Um, we need a team in Adelaide. It's ridiculous that we've got any city in Australia that's got a million-plus people and it doesn't have a rugby league team. Uh there's, I mean, a million people in Australia to grow a rugby league team. It's just a, it's really basic. You just have to do it. Yeah. And I, th I think that once you've got, once you've got that second Brisbane team, you've got Perth and Adelaide, then you've got the real chance to expand to new areas and, and really exciting expansion opportunities in my point of view. Yeah, look, one team that I've, I've always sort of thrown out there is a bit of a, uh, a bit of a discussion point, which never gets any traction, is is a team in Darwin or a Northern Territory. And yeah. I know a lot of those reasons I get a bit of um, kickback on is because oh, they don't have the population for it and stuff like yeah. that. And you just think, at the moment, we've got three NRL players who are from the Northern Territory. Mm -hmm. And I think only one who's born in Victoria, maybe yeah. two born in Victoria. Yeah. And we've got a Melbourne Storm team. Yeah. And after since they've been since '98, and so far we have you know one or two Melbourne Melbourne born players, Victorian born players. <clears throat> yeah, we we don't have a Northern Territory, and we've got three current players from the Northern yeah. Territory. So yeah. there's the passion there, and it would cover all of Northern Territory, not just Darwin. So I mean that just means Alice Springs as well, obviously. But yeah. um, if if they're not if they're not just a Darwin team, then maybe they could be the one that's linked with say a PNG team. Yeah, the tra the travel distance is a little bit more, but it's not it's not immense. Yeah, um, yeah. The the climate's almost the same. Mm -hmm. You could base them up there. I think I think there's a market there that's worth looking at. And like yeah. you said before, it's that slight change in time zone which makes mm -hmm. it good for TV and good for scheduling. Mm -hmm. um, we play games and have been you know for twenty thirty years. Yeah. So, and the best part too, there's no other national sports team in the state. Mm -hmm. it's asking to be taken by someone. And yeah. 
that's something that we should really be looking at too. Instead of constantly finding a way to battle against the AFL all the time or the A-League, why don't we go to a national area where we don't have to battle with anyone? We can just move in there and within five minutes of saying, yep, we're going to put a team in Darwin, that whole state is automatically onside. Yeah. It doesn't, every other team that wants to come along and be there is automatically fighting against the NRL and they will not be on top because they'll always be second. Yeah, and I think that with... Look, if I was going to start a team in the Northern Territory, and it'd have to be Darwin, um, I think the thing you would look at that would be your your ultimate goal, you would have to look at trying to get an indoor stadium built because oh, I think that that would be the, the ultimate that you would go for. Um, the climate is going to be pretty hard in terms of footy because, I mean, it's basically going to be year-round summer footy. Yep. Um, and as you say, it's it's kind of similar to what PNG has to deal with. But I think for the NRL, you would, I mean, if you could even get a look at twenty five thousand seat indoor stadium built, and it's it's going to be smaller. The problem that you're going to have as soon as you do that, the AFL is going to is they're going to turn up. And I look, I don't know that you could build a multi-purpose indoor stadium there that caters as much for what rugby league needs as AFL needs as well. Um, I, I think that an indoor stadium is needed for the Canberra Raiders as well for a similar reason, by the way, in terms of fan comfort. Um, I think if they had an indoor stadium down in Canberra, their crowds would be much, much bigger. But yeah, I think that would be important for Darwin. I don't know about the corporate base there. I mean, it's not a, a very big place. I think you'd probably get a lot of mining companies and things like that that would get on board with it. Uh, but, yeah, it'd have to be something you'd look towards, like a place like that or Tasmania as well. I think they're in similar situations. Yeah, agree. But I think that Dar- Darwin is definitely a more natural move for rugby league. and uh, But I think at the moment, I don't know whether it's ready just yet. I think the playing games there is probably about where we're at. And I think that there's a reason why we haven't got other sports trying to get into Darwin or, or Tasmania just yet in terms of like expanding there or having any real momentum to expand there. I mean, the AFL talks about... Tasmania every so often, but they're not really doing anything to to get a team there. Um, but I can definitely see once you've got a lot of your other bases sorted out that you would start to look at somewhere like Darwin for sure. But I, I, I would, if I was the NRL, my whole pitch to the Northern Territory government, which is actually broke at the moment, unfortunately, <laughs> would be that we want to bring a team here it's going to be for all of Northern Territory. We're going to invest all this money into rugby league, but the thing we need is an indoor stadium that is a rugby league stadium only. Or yeah. not just a rugby league stadium only, a rectangular sports stadium so yeah. I can play that stuff. And I, as I've said this before, wherever there was a new stadium being built, I would always be sitting down with soccer in this country and saying Absolutely. we both need this and, and yeah. make it just the United Force. Um, even rugby union, I'd sit down with them as well, and just you know, um, then they can fuck off once it's built. But <laughs> yeah, that's I, I think Northern Territory down the track is something you've definitely got to look at. Yeah, um, 
What else we got on here? Uh, so, I'll, I'll do, you want to, do you want to hear my real left field one? Do you want well, to hear I do, my... mate. Okay. I've, I've, I've been trying to, trying to coax you into it with some of my sort of weird ideas, so hopefully you've okay. got something that blows mine out of the water. So we want, we want a team that, because we've got so much talent that comes out of the Pacific and the, all of the Pacific Islands, we need a, a team that really... It is a team that all of the Pacific can get behind. And the Warriors get a little bit of that. And I think if you had a second New Zealand team, they would get some of that. We saw what happened at the World Cup with Tonga and Samoa. But my goal would be, and this is, look, it's a little bit left field, but I don't think it's as left field as it sounds at first. What about a team playing out of Honolulu? Hmm. Okay, so it's a 10-hour flight. That's not that far. I've done it. The The temperature is always the exact same. Like it is literally you turn on the, the news and they're like, today it's going to be 27, tomorrow it's going to be 27, and it looks like it's going to be 26 in a week from now, but after that we're expecting 27 degrees for another <laughs> two weeks. Up. Like it is literally that. Um, you're going to be tapping into... It is a U.S. market, so you're going to have that. You're going to have a completely new time zone that you can play with. So you're going to have that working for you. The main thing is the 10-hour flight is not that far, I don't feel like. I feel like that's within the realms of, of being able to be done. And you would only do it once you had all of your other bases marked off. So you have Perth already, you've got Adelaide got a second um, Brisbane team already. This is when you're starting to work towards maybe having a conference system. So you might be able to do something with that that would lower the travel burden on, say, a team from Perth or, or a team from North Queensland and, and teams like this having to get to Honolulu. Um, I think you would be able to do some work with getting an if not an all right stadium built, maybe upgrading a stadium that was already there. Uh, they've got the what's the stadium there called? Where they in used Honol- to play in Honolulu. It's is, I, it, it, called, be, is it called uh, Aloha Stadium? Yeah, I think it. I think it is. Now they've got issues with Aloha Stadium and that it's basically rotting away, and they're looking at having to rebuild it. But it's going to be a college gridiron stadium that they're going to have to be, rebuild but you're going to be able to play rugby league there i mean you still it's still going to be a rectangular stadium it'll be fine for rugby league but it's not look you, i think you could make it happen it's a real left field move i think t- players would love to play there it's a really nice place uh but the thing is you would tap into the u.s market you'd have a brand new completely different time zone you'd have games in it it could become the Pacific team. Um, it's it's really left field, but it's one that I think you could make work once you had Australia covered. What do you think about a move like that? It's um, look, I, I was I was a bit surprised when you said it. Not not so much because I thought it was a crazy idea, but because it's actually a bit more brilliant than I think a lot of people would realise. Because yeah. that you are encroaching into that U.S. market in a very gentle manner. Mm-hmm. 
and you still, yeah, as you say, close enough to the Pacific Islands to still appeal to them. You could give them some sort of name that covers both, like on a Pacific Pacifica Patriots or something like that. You know, it's sort of try and capture a little bit of that Americanism about it to sort of draw it in and get a bit of that big American finance involved. Yeah. And it's a good step into the US market from there. Um, but at the same time, it's, yeah, imagine if you, if you could field a team out there full of uh, Pacific Islanders. Yeah, and it's the thing is too. It's I think that money would probably the th- the two things I th- see are the problem. I don't think you can have a problem getting players going there. I think the no. players would be rushing to go there. Not um, I think the TV time slot, and I'm not exactly sure how far ahead they are, but I'm sure that you'd be able to cover a time slot that's maybe open for Australia. Um. So the time slot is the main one for me, and it's also the fact that where's the driving force behind it going to be coming from? Because I think you need that. Um, when the Auckland Warriors, well, the New Zealand Warriors were up for sale recently, they did have somebody that was talking about buying the club and then playing some games in Hawaii, but it never really got too much momentum going behind it. I think you would need somebody that was really pushing this idea. Um, and I think that that's the big stumbling block for this. But I really do think that I think that it would be a really great addition to the game. And if you'd need to give it the right name, I would kind of, and look, I don't know what to call it because it's not, it wouldn't be a team for me. But I think if you gave it the right name, uh, you might call it, the Pacific whatever, or you might call it the Hawaii whatever. Um, If you gave it the right name, I think that other Pacific Island nations would get behind it, especially if you took a game here or there to Fiji or Samoa and and places like that. That would be like the dream scenario for me would be to see an NRL team playing out of Honolulu and getting a foot in the door in that American market, it's a soft step into the American market. And I think it's one that wouldn't take much effort to make work, but it would be down the line when all of the other bases were covered. And the, the big thing for me is that players, I think, would be stepping over each other to go and play for a team like that. Especially when there's next to uh, no Daily Telegraph reporters out there and they don't have lens that big to see what's going on over there on Mad Monday. Yeah, it'd be um, fantastic, you know. They'd be able to just... Yeah, go, they'd be able to have private parties in private. Oh, it'd mate. be amazing. They'd hire Neil Diamond just to turn up in person. Yeah. Is but, Neil uh, Diamond alive still? I think he's got cancer. Yeah, yeah well... <laughs> just, to bring, just to bring it all down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, look... I think um, one one thing they could do with the with the home grounds thing is, you know, they're going to get twelve home games every year. They could look at just playing one game at Fiji, one at Tonga, one at Samoa every year, and nine games out of Hawaii. Or they could probably have two at each venue or something like that, and sort of spread it out a bit so that the amount of travel, I guess, to Hawaii doesn't become as much. Because I think that's going to be the only the only sticking point is going to be the travel. Um, because I remember that being a drama when the when the Western Reds were around. You know, there was whinging about the travel then, and I thought it's a few hours on a plane. I mean, come on, you know, they weren't complaining about travelling to North Queensland, but they were complaining about travelling to Perth. You just think there's hardly any difference hours wise. 
But people want to complain about things, and that'll that'll be the only sticking point. Other than that, I think it's it's definitely something that should be considered and looked at in the future. As you said, once once we've got the game set up on the on the mainland here in Australia, and it's making good money, and we're looking to really make a big bold move somewhere new from there to try and expand the game beyond just what the NRL wants, but you know, help improve it globally. That would definitely be the, the first step you take. By the time you get to that point, and, and if you're looking at having a 24-game season and you might have con- a conference set up which helps in terms of who's travelling to where and how many times, you might also have a, a situation where the, <clears throat> excuse me, the league season is basically you play every... And this is keep in mind, once you've got Australia covered, you might have a couple more teams in New Zealand. You might, at that point, be just playing one game each season against every other team instead of having a home and away season and flip it so that you're playing the home team. You're, you're the home team one year and the next you're the away team. So that your league season might just be play every other team once at that point. And that would help with travel as well in terms of, like, you know a Perth team might only have to make that trip once a year or once every two years. Uh, yeah. And, and that would help out as well, I think. Yeah, there's definitely some lessons that the uh, the NRL could learn looking into that from how Toronto does their deals with home games and stuff too in the, uh, in the challenge. It's champions competition, whatever it is. Yeah, the, what's it called? The National League One. Championship. championship, that's it, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Um, see how that works because obviously that's a bit more of an extreme version but you know similar hurdles so that's something that can yeah. be looked at there and obviously it doesn't seem to be that much of an issue because they've got a they've now got a team that's going to be based out of Ottawa so yeah and I mean if they're if they're making it work we can make it work Absolutely. for sure well, we've, we've got more money than what the, the RFL would have so yeah there's no reason why that shouldn't work and the, the revenue that could come from that to, to tip back in because then you'd not only just be getting American sponsors on board, but then you're broadcasting the game in America. Yeah, and with American broadcasters. And if yep. you start getting American players and you're offering the opportunity to live in Hawaii, which is pretty good, yep. uh, and, and playing professional rugby, in inverted yep. commas, um, you're... I mean, it's a it's a nice it's a nice idea, man. Yeah, and, it's tasty, and, mate. Yeah, like, and can you imagine? Like, I'm not much a person for going on away trips, but it doesn't even cost that much to fly there anymore. Like, it's a five hundred dollar round trip. That's pretty good. Um, so that's a, well, that's pretty much the same as going to uh, Alice Springs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and ten hours. I don't think that. I think that's on the edge of what you'd want for flight time. From Sydney, and I'm looking. I'm going from Sydney just because I know because I've done it. But ten hours, I think, is probably on the edge of having to worry too much about jet things like jet lag and stuff like that. Um, I think you could do the trip there and come back and and still be pretty much okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you've stumbled onto an absolute gem there, mate. Yeah, well, you know, I like to consider myself a forward thinker, and that's my forward thinking done for the day. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, uh, I suppose that's a pretty good episode done there. Is there anything else we should we should t- toss up there? No, I think that's it. Uh, I just want to thank everyone for supporting the first podcast that we did. Uh, it was fantastic. We're going to do another podcast that we're going to release on Monday. 
that we're going to answer some questions and things like that about. And we did get some feedback. We'll, we'll mention everyone's names and things like that in that next podcast. So don't think that we've forgotten anyone if you're listening to this. Uh, if you've listened to it for an hour and 40 minutes waiting to hear your name, very sorry. But uh, listen to the next podcast and you'll, you'll definitely hear yourself being mentioned and we'll answer your questions in that. And as always, if you've got anything to say about the podcast, the email address to send all of your suggestions and complaints to is podcast at leaguefreak.com. So, and you can just send an email to that. And uh, you won't be abused or anything. You don't have to worry about it. You know, I'm, I'm pretty friendly when I email you back from that. So, uh, so yeah. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And remember to look for us now on – what are we on? We're on Spotify. We're going to be on iTunes uh, very, very soon, or if not now already. And, yeah, just spread the word. You've got to tell everyone, listen to this podcast, because we're just starting it out. We're just getting it off the ground. And – uh, we're both really excited to be doing it. So thank you for listening. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we've had, we've had some some great responses. Um, you know, over 150 downloads of the first uh, episode already, which is about 150 more than I was, think, I was thinking we're going to get. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of like that. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a uh, low-ego sort of person, so I don't, I don't think much is going to happen. Really. I still don't think a rugby league project is that big a deal. But there you go. Um, yeah, thanks for your support and all the comments and the and the sharing of the potty and I, you know, we'll, I'll be getting better every week as well and <laughs> I won't be saying things like purdcast anymore. Purdcast. See, I'd say I'd be getting better as the time goes on, but man, I'm already there. Mate, no, you 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 just start out perfect. That's just where you were born. That's or, what I've always said. Yeah. <laughs> Except for my yelling, I've got to stop yelling at this microphone. I'm sorry. Uh, I. I didn't want to bring out any. Uh, I won't say. It. Anyway, uh, <laughs> don't mention his name. No, no, no. I, I'm not going to. <laughs> we've we've done well. So yeah, look. If there's uh, also if there's any ideas you've got for for things that you'd like us to discuss about, um, you know, even if you want us to talk about it for two or three hours, feel free to let us know. You can send it send it to the email uh, podcast at, at League Freak was it? Yep, podcast at leaguefreak.com. Dot com. Um, you can also contact us directly on, on Twitter um, at League Freak or at Andrew RLP. Um, you know, we'll always always respond to you and talk to you there. And, you know, that's always a good way to get in touch with us, given that we're pretty much always on there as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we're, we're more than happy to make this something that we're – obviously, we're fans and we're just talking about the game as fans and we want to hear what other fans think and see if we can get what you're talking about through what we're saying and hopefully – you know, everyone else hears it and likes it, and we can go from there. Yeah, pretty much. Sounds good. All righty. Well, uh, I guess that wraps this one up. Thanks, everybody, for, for listening in for Episode 2, and we'll catch you on Monday. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.